This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. Assalamu alaikum. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan al-rajim. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Wa salatu wa salam ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa yassirli amri wa ahlul uqtata min lisani yafqahu qawli. I was reflecting about what I wanted to share today, what I wanted to talk about. And what occurred to me is a question. And this is a question that I think a lot of people struggle with. It's a question that a lot of people stumble upon. And usually, the inability to answer this question has caused a lot of heartache in a lot of people. In fact, the inability to answer this question has led some people to disbelief. The inability to answer this question has led some people to completely disregard and disbelieve in God completely. And that is this question of why do bad things happen to good people? Why do bad things happen to good people? This is a question which so many people have struggled with and so many people have not have not found the right answer. And because of that, we have, we have people who have abandoned God. Now, we as Muslims, we as believers also sometimes have this question. And we have to understand the answer to this question. When I asked this question in my class, I ask the students, tell me this, why do bad things happen to good people? And I get various answers. People, some people say, because God is testing them. Some people say, to bring us closer to God. I get all types of answers, but I've never gotten the answer I'm looking for. And the answer I'm looking for is, the question is flawed. That's awesome. <laughs> She's just, just staring at me. <laughs> okay, guys. <laughs> That's awesome. It's cool. It's cool. We've all been there. <laughs> I, I didn't want to have to compete with your blood, low blood sugar and this child, so... The question itself is flawed. And the reason why the question is flawed is because this. Bad things never happen to good people. Bad things never happen to good people. But then, you know, you have this reaction when I say that to, but wait a minute. What about the people who've lost their homes? What about the people who've lost their lives? What about the people who, you know, who are getting, who are getting attacked How can you tell me that bad things never happen to good people? And I will repeat, bad things never happen to good people. How do I know that? Because the Prophet ﷺ said so. He says in a hadith, عَجَبٌ لِأَمْرِ الْمُؤْمِنِ The matter of a believer is strange. أَمْرُهُ كُلُّ خَيْرٍ All of his matters are good. Every single thing 
that happens to a believer is in fact good. It is never bad. Do you know how powerful that is? That you can live in a state where no matter what happens to you, it's actually good. That no matter what is taken, no matter what is given, no matter what you face, it's always in the end, it's good for you. That is something, and the Prophet ﷺ emphasizes in this hadith, that this is only the case for a believer. Because in fact, bad things can happen to bad people. But bad things can never happen to good people. The Prophet ﷺ said that something that makes the believer unique is that no matter what happens, if it is something that we love, something that we, something that we want, then the believer is grateful. And so it is good for him. And if it is something that we do not want, something that is difficult, the believer is patient, so it is good for him. Why is this message so important right now? Because you see, the thing is, we live in a world called dunya, and one of the characteristics of dunya is that it is a place of tests. It is a place where we are given hardships, and we are tested, and this is also very important to realize. A lot of times we think that we are only tested with hardships. Many people have this idea. Many people think that, even, even the idea that, why aren't I being tested? Have you, ever, have you ever heard someone, you know, sometimes we hear a lot about Allah tests those he loves. And sometimes we might go through a period in our lives of ease. And we might think to ourselves, why aren't I being tested? Does that mean Allah doesn't love me? And in this question is something flawed because we assume that Allah only tests through hardship. We assume that Allah only tests through loss. And that's not true. Allah tells us in the Quran that he tests with both ease and hardship. Allah tests us with both. And in fact, scholars explain that the test of ease, the test of ni'am, the test of blessings, is sometimes harder to, to pass than the test of hardship. Why? Because the problem when things, the, the problem when things are, are, are given to us easily, it's, it, think of this analogy. You know, you're sitting on the beach, the halal beach, and you're drinking a halal pina colada. And you're enjoying yourself, right? In that comfort and in that state, it's a lot easier to forget about your greater purpose. It's a lot easier to forget about God. It's because we feel comfortable. But then what happens when you get on the boat? Now you're not on the shore anymore. Now you're on the boat. And the storm comes. Now, all of a sudden, the person who was comfortable before is now looking for, for help. And even an atheist, when they're in that situation, will try to find a higher power. So there you find that there's this test. There's the test of ease where we don't realize this, but so often it is in the test of ease that we fail. You know how you go through your life, right? And you have these periods of ease where you become heedless. And there's something else that happens in the test of ease. So there's many ways in which we can fail the test of ease. What are they? Number one. Number one. One of the ways that we fail the test of ease 
is that we become heedless. We forget about Allah. We forget about our purpose. You know our salah, it's no longer like something we rush to. Our dua, it's no longer that desperate pleading to Allah. It's, you know what I'm saying? And there is a big difference between and There is a difference between the pleading of a person who is stuck in the middle of a storm, right? Who is stuck in the middle of the ocean and the person who was on that halal beach sipping the halal pina colada. There's a difference. So oftentimes one of the ways that we fail this test of ease is that we become comfortable and we forget. We become heedless. We we become, we, we enter a state of ghafla. Why am I talking about this? Because we as a community are going to be tested with both. There are going to be times when we're tested with ease. We're going to, there's going to be times when we're tested with power. And then there's going to be times when we're tested with hardship. But both are tests from Allah. How else can we fail the test of ease? I'm going to tell you guys this second way, and then I'm going, to, I'm going to give you guys an example that's actually very timely. The second way that we can fail the test of ease is that we become dependent on the gift itself. So when Allah gives us a gift, we start to love the gift more than the giver. You guys understand what I mean? For example, we really want money. We love to have money. So Allah, He is the giver. He is the provider. So He gives us money. But, the, but, what, but what we do sometimes is we start to love the money more than the giver. So the gift we begin to love more than the giver. We, we love our money more than we love Allah. That's one of the ways that we can fail the test of ease. But beyond that is something very subtle. And that is dependence. Dependence. So Allah gives us a gift. And sometimes what we do is we depend on the gift instead of depending on Allah. Let me give you an example. A recent example. And I spoke about this yesterday. Recently, we saw some interesting movements in the media. We had something huge that happened, and that was the death of Muhammad Ali. And after his death, rahmatullah alayhi, the, oh, it's like for a moment, the world actually was being positive, was showing a positive image of Islam, was showing a positive depiction of Muslims. All of a sudden, people were, you know, being shown something that's not about terrorism. So here, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was giving us a gift. But what happened was, things suddenly shifted after we had the attack in Orlando. And now all of a sudden, it was business as usual, right, with the news. And now all of a sudden, all that positive coverage turned into the typical negative coverage. What happened to us when that shift happened? What happened to our state? What happened to, to our internal state as a community? Well, what happened was we became, we, 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 we despaired. 
So there are people who, it's like, we felt like, okay, things were going so well, and now it's shifted. But you see, the subtle problem was when Allah gave us that gift of some positive coverage, it was as if we got attached to that. And we thought that this is okay. You know, this is where we're going to get our victory from. And then when that was taken away, we fell into despair. But that's the thing that, this is the subtle problem with getting attached to the gift. You see, the gift comes and goes. The way we have to pass this test is that no matter what gifts we're given and no matter what gifts are taken, we have to always make sure that our ultimate dependence is on the giver, not on the gift. And that our ultimate love is the giver more than the gift. Here's the third way we can, we can fail the, the test of ease. And that is that we take credit for our gifts. When Allah gives us ease, when Allah gives us power, when Allah gives us a gift, and then we take credit for it. So, for example, there was a man who lived at the time of Musa alayhi salam named Qarun. And Allah tells us his story in Surah Al-Qasas. Allah says that he was so wealthy, he was so rich, that even the keys to his property, even the keys to his wealth was in and of itself wealth. So he was given this gift of wealth. And so much so that he used to walk and show off among the people. Kind of like, you know the red carpet? You know the red carpet? It was like, it was like the red carpet. And he was showing off his wealth. And the people around who sought this life, Allah says, they would look at him and they would say, wow, we wish we had what he had. They wanted what he had. They envied him. But there was another group of people. And those people said to him, they reminded him, the people of knowledge reminded him to be grateful, to be humble. And you know what his answer was? His answer is very important for us to understand and to study. His answer was, That all of this that I got from a knowledge in me. You see what he's doing? What he's doing is he's taking credit for his gift. He's taking credit for the money that he had. He's taking credit for his wealth. He's saying it's because of me. It's because of my knowledge. That's why I have this. So it made him arrogant. Do we ever do that? Do we ever find success in our lives and we say, oh, it's because of my hard work? Yeah? Well, I did well on XYZ because of my effort, because of my hard work. Yes, I'm a successful XYZ. Well, it's because of my work. It's because of me. Well, let me tell you a secret. There are a lot of people who put in more hard work than you, and they don't achieve that result. Does that mean that every poor person is just lazy? Does that mean that every person who doesn't have what you have in terms of wealth just didn't put enough effort? And the answer is obviously no. We cannot take credit for the gifts of Allah. The question then becomes, well, then why do we put in any effort, Yasmin? Right? Well, then if, if that's the case... If everything is just given by Allah, you know, by his wisdom, then why should we put in any effort? That's a fair question. The answer is because your effort is part of your worship. Your effort is part of your worship. 
When the Prophet said, Remember the camel? Everyone knows about the camel, right? By the way, y'all are like zombies right now. Like your faces? Get animated. Thank you. I have no idea if I'm speaking Chinese and you don't understand, or what it is, or you're just really hungry. Okay. I'm just like, <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, so, okay. <laughs> so, so what happened is, Harun took credit. And he thought it was from himself. But see, the thing about effort is that when that companion said to the Prophet Sallallahu that he's not going to tie his camel because he has his trust in Allah. The Prophet ﷺ said, Can someone translate that for me? Okay, tie it and then depend on Allah. Not exactly, but close. And this is typically how we translate this concept, by the way. It's tie your camel, do your effort, and then Put your trust in God. So it's this idea that while I'm putting in my effort, it's all me. We still depend on ourselves. But the Prophet ﷺ actually said, So the two come together at the same time. While we are tying our camel, while we are putting in our effort, we have our trust in Allah. The tying of the camel, the putting of our effort is actually part of our worship. It isn't that I put in effort and because of my effort, I get these gifts. No. The gifts are given by the giver because Allah is al-wahhab. Allah loves to give gifts. Our efforts are for Him. Our efforts are part of our worship. His gifts are from Him. We need to be careful not to connect the two because if we connect the two, then we've subtly failed the test of ease. We've, we've, we are thinking a little bit like Qarun. Qarun is thinking because he was so smart, because of his knowledge, he got all of this wealth. When in fact that wasn't the case. Allah gave him that wealth and Allah can take that wealth. Every single gift that we have is given by Allah and can be taken by Allah. So this is how we have to be careful not to fail the test of ease. When Allah tests us, we need to be careful not to lose focus. We need to be careful not to love and depend on the gift more than Allah. And we need to be careful not to become dependent or rather take credit for those gifts. As a community, we are going to face times of ease. And as a community, we are going to face times of hardship. Now, I want to just end on that note. When we talk about hardship, when we talk about difficulty and tests, how, Yasmin, can this be good for us? You said that everything is good for a believer. Well, I didn't say it. The Prophet did, so I said that. Everything is good for a believer. So how can these tests be good for us? And the answer is, it is good for us if we respond properly. When we are faced with trial, there are three different reactions that we can have. The first reaction is the reaction we should never have as believers. And that is, God, why did you do this to me? God, why are you doing this to me? Why are you doing this to us? It isn't fair. 
This is the response that negates patience. This is a response that we should not have. The second response is the response of patience, of sabr. When a believer is faced with hardship, when we're faced with hardship as a community, when we're faced with hardship individually, and we respond with patience, something amazing happens. We're told that when you respond with patience, that calamity or that hardship or that test actually purifies you. And the Prophet ﷺ gave us an analogy. He said that it removes our sins like leaves falling from a tree. Removes our sins like leaves falling from a tree. And that is when we respond with patience. Here's the thing about purification. We, as a, as a community, are purified at an individual level, but we are also purified as a community. How do hardships purify us as a community? Well, one of the ways is that hardships distinguish those who are true in faith from those who are not. You know this problem of hypocrisy and hypocrites during the time of the Prophet ﷺ? When was that becoming a big issue? When things started to become easier. But they did not have a problem with hypocrites when things were hard. Why? Because when things are hard, the only people who can withstand it are those who are true in faith. So what, what happens with hardships is it cleans out, it, it sort of, it, it, it functions as a separator. Even as a community, it functions as a separator. All of a sudden, you start to see what's inside because it comes out. People start to say things. They start to take positions that show what was inside. So if we have a disease inside, if we have a disease inside, if we have a problem in our faith inside, the test, it externalizes it. Make sense? The test is going to bring that out. If we have sections of our community and there is a problem in the faith, there's a problem internally, when the times of hardship come, that's when you can find them. You get what I mean? They start to become exposed. They start to become exposed. The hypocrisy will become exposed in the time of hardship. And so it is a purification, not only for the individual, but it's also purification for the community. We start to see things as they really are. And those people who are true in faith will become clear, and those people who are not true in faith will become clear. But that only happens during times, that happens more clearly during times of hardship, during the times of trial. Similarly, it purifies us individually. Allah says, These trials that we go through individually, in our, in our personal life, financially, emotionally, they purify us internally if we react properly. If a person reacts with patience, Allah purifies that believer like you purify gold. Something that's very interesting is that the word in this ayah, tamhis, liyumahis Allahu ladina amanu. Allah talks about hardships and He says that He gives us hardships in order to put believers through something called tamhis. Liyumahis, this word, is the same word that is used to talk about the process 
that gold and silver go through. You know, do you have any, how do you, how do you purify gold and silver? Anyone? I know you're hungry. Anyone? You heat it up. You heat up gold and silver to purify it. And when you heat up gold and silver, what happens? You remove the impurities and all that remains is pure gold. Allah does this to believers. Allah does this to the ummah. He is purifying those impurities collectively as an ummah and also internally, individually. He purifies us through our trials, through our hardships, and through our ease. The trials purify us internally and remove the impurities so that there is pure gold left. Finally, there is one more station or response to hardship, and this is the highest level. This is called rida. Rida means contentment. Rida means that not only am I accepting of the, of the decision of Allah, not only am I accepting of the will of Allah, but I am content and I am pleased with the decision and will of Allah. This is the highest level of a believer that a believer can reach. And we are told that if we respond in this way, not only will we be purified as a community and individually, we will be raised in ranks. We ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to ease the hardships of all of those who are suffering all over the world. I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to allow these last 10 days of Ramadan to be among the most blessed that we've ever had. And I ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to bless this event. And I ask you to be generous in your giving. Because at the end of the day, when we give for the sake of Allah, we are actually giving to ourselves. Anything that we give for Allah is never ever lost. It's kept with Allah and it will remain. You know, every single one of us, every single one of us will end up in our graves. Does anyone take their money with them? Anyone? That's actually untrue. Some people take their money with them. You guys are like thinking I'm crazy now, right? Or you have no reaction, that too. <laughs> you had a reaction, thank you. Y'all, I'm Egyptian. Can you have some reaction? Some people take their money with them into their graves. You know who they are? The Prophet ﷺ said that all the deeds stop when you die, except for three. And one of those deeds is something called sadaqa jariyah. Any kind of charity that you give, and it continues to benefit people even after you die, will come with you to your grave. And so when you give for the sake of Allah, you are investing in your own self. أقولي قولي هذا واستغفر الله لي ولكم إنه غفور رحيم سبحانك الله وبحمدك أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أستغفرك وأتوب إليك والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته